So, all right. So, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been in this series. What's it, what, what is this series called? Bless. That's right. It's called Bless, and uh, it's based on a book by Dave Ferguson and his brother John, which I have in my hand. And let me really encourage you, if you haven't already, to get your hands on this book. Okay, it's good coming all these Sundays and hearing me talk about it, but it's good to actually be reading the book as well, just as we should God's Word. All right, so these are like five everyday reminders of things that we can do to win the loss and change the world. Um, so make sure you get your hands on this, whether in the book form or audio form. Um, make sure you get your hands on it. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, we started the BLESS acronym, okay? So two weeks ago, what did the B stand for? That we should bless our neighbors by what? Beginning with prayer. That's right. All right. So that was the B. Uh, last week, we looked at the L, and what did that stand for? Listen. How many of you guys have been working on that this past week? Actually listening to people. I know sometimes it's hard for us to tame our tongue and, uh, and, and listen, but hopefully uh, you've done a good job uh, with that this past week. And today with the letter E, we are talking about one of my all-time favorite things to do, okay? And uh, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, maybe you already know. Uh, by looking at your bulletin or something, but uh, it's one of my favorite things uh, to do. But uh, throughout this whole series, we've been talking about our neighbors. Now, it doesn't have to be your geographical neighbor, your literal neighbor back home uh, where you live. Uh, you know, it can be talking about fellow co-workers, uh, people that you're in school with, um, your teammates, if you're on a sporting team. Uh, you know, people like that. Uh, but it's the people that we live, that we work, and that we play with. Those are our, our neighbors. And I hope everyone in this room and watching on Facebook this morning uh, wants your neighbor, the people that you live, you work, and you play with, uh, to, to know the love of God and to follow his son, Jesus Christ. So am I right about that? Do we want that for the people in our lives? I, I hope so. But the hard part is which we try to involve these people and mobilize them to be a part of something, like here at church or maybe something else. Um, or, you know, for example, there might be a service or a Bible study that happens on just another night or just another day. Uh, there might be another event happening sometime, like, you know, I just talked about, we're having a fall festival coming up two weeks from yesterday, on the 21st of October. But it's something, it's simply something extra, or it's something more in our lives that we try to invite people to. But today, what I want to discover in this blessed series, in these practices that I'm sharing about, it's not actually an addition to our already busy life. It's not that. It's not an addition to our already busy life. But it's how you already live your life. Something you do, hopefully, every single day. Um, but I'm talking about something that you do, like I said, every single day. Something that you have to do to survive. So I'm talking about E 
for eat or eating. That's why I like to do it, okay? It's one of my favorite things to do, although I've been on a diet since last Sunday. Uh, and uh, so I got to watch like the bread and the sugar and all that kind of stuff. But hey, I've lost 10 pounds, so that, that's good. Yes, yes. <laughs> I might lose more looking at Lisa's sweatshirt this morning. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lisa. Anyway. Um, so, on the count of three, on the count of three, I want you to yell out your favorite food, okay? So, like I said, the count of three. Be thinking about it for a second. One, two, three. Oh, man. All right. That was a lot. <laughs> so if you were to ask my wife, Erin, what my favorite kind of foods are, she would tell you anything Asian. All right. So the Chinese food, the Japanese food, Thai. I love Thai food uh, from Thailand. Uh, Mongolian. Man, Greenville used to have Mongolian restaurants. And um, maybe some of you remember the Mongolian Empire on Greenville Boulevard. Oh, man, I miss that place. It's, it hasn't been around for a few years. Um, but anyway, um, if it's something Asian, I'm most likely going to eat it. And yes, I do use chopsticks, uh, which mom and dad could tell you I've been using those since I was a kid. Um, so I, I do love Asian food. Um, but, you know, with this whole eating thing in mind and favorite food thing in mind, uh, I wonder what the top five top five favorite foods of American citizens are, okay? In a somewhat recent article published by Reader's Digest, do any of you still get the Reader's Digest? Dad, you don't? Okay, anyway, he did it one time. Um, but, uh, but Reader's Digest, in a somewhat recent article that actually came out in October of last year, um, I'm going to let you know what the top five favorite foods of us, of American citizens, are. Are you ready for this? All right. So maybe the favorite food that you yelled out just a little bit ago made the list. All right, the top five. All right, so number five is French fries. Who likes French fries in here? Man, I miss French fries. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, number four, a lot of these foods I miss. All right, number four is cheese pizza. Who loves cheese pizza? Man, cheese, uh, being in youth ministry for so long, I stopped, like, getting a lot of pizzas with other toppings on it because most of my students, they just love cheese pizza. Okay, anyway. Um, all right, number three, hash browns. Hash browns. Now, these kind of look like the hash browns that you get from McDonald's. Um, but, uh, I mean, there's all different kinds of good hash browns. Am I right? All right. My, my wife loves hash brown casserole from Cracker Barrel. So, I, I heard a lot of oh, yes. Um, so, anyway, that's that. All right. Number two, uh, cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers is the number two uh, all-time favorite food of an American citizen. And number one, which may surprise some of you, number one is a burrito bowl. Yeah, um, when I preached this sermon another time, I got that same response. Um, but hey, this is, 
this is legit. This is what Reader's Digest found out. So if they say it, it, it must be right, right? Um, so burrito bowl, it's not even just a regular burrito. It's in a bowl, okay? Now, I could probably eat on my diet something like this, although I do not like sour cream, okay? I will say that. Do not like that. Uh, so, uh, but Erin, she was like, man, I'm surprised that fried chicken did not make this list, especially being here in eastern North Carolina. I preached the same sermon at Christ Church, and man, I got a lot of flack afterwards. Here's why. Uh, you knew Parker's Barbecue? A lot of the family behind Parker's Barbecue attends Christ Church. So I said, I'm sorry. I mean, it's, I didn't write this. Uh, Reader's Digest did. So, uh, but there you go. The top five favorite foods of American citizens. But talking about uh, eating today, our big idea this week is uh, to bless your neighbors. Jesus invites you to eat. Uh, with this one, you know, talking about eating or eat, you, you can't just check this one off the list, okay? You need to have a meal with a person or maybe a group of people uh, that builds relationships. Hopefully, over a meal, you're going to build relationships with others, okay? So most of us eat a meal how many times a day? Three. All right, say three. All right, there's how many days in a week? Seven. So seven times three equals what? 21. So there's 21 times, 21 opportunities to actually include other people, neighbors, if you will, since we're talking about this blessed book, in the mission that Jesus has for us to save the lost and to make disciples. But hey, uh, speaking of Jesus, I mean, we're in church, right? Um, speaking of Jesus, uh, have you ever noticed that Jesus liked his food? Have you noticed that? Jesus enjoyed a good meal. He liked a good meal so much that he, talking about Jesus, was accused in Luke 7 of being a glutton and a drunkard because Jesus liked food so much. I saw, I hear you, Jesus. Um, I do too. But, uh, but in this particular uh, gospel alone, talking about the gospel of Luke, there are like 10 stories of Jesus dining and talking with people around a table. There's like 10 stories from the gospel of Luke alone of Jesus doing this. You know, so much of his life, his earthly ministry, happened around a table. In John 2, uh, verses 1 through 12 there, Jesus' first miracle was performed where? A wedding, at a wedding feast, where he turned water into wine. In John chapter 14, 13 through 21, Jesus took a boy's lunch, and he fed at least 5,000 people. In Luke 22, verses 7 through 20, Jesus met in an upper room with his followers for one last meal before he was turned over to be crucified. And in John chapter 21, and the first 14 verses there, Jesus decided to have breakfast on the shore of a beach 
with his followers before ascending back to his father. You know, in biblical times, especially in the early life, in the earthly life of Jesus, who you ate with indicated who you loved and who you considered to be a part of your social class. Jesus ate with the lowest and the most hated people of that particular day. Today we're going to look at one of the best examples of this, of that, of what I just said. So in Matthew chapter 9, like I said, we're, we're going to be reading from that. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 9 to start off with, um, and we're going to go through 13. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and with sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. But go and learn from and go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come, have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. You know, from, from this big idea this morning and the passage that I just read, I think there are three main questions. Here, and we're going to look at these three questions today. So the first question this morning is, who? Who do we invite? Who do we invite? Going back to the passage this morning, the first part of verse 10, we can read that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Now, I don't know who invited who. If Matthew invited Jesus to come or Jesus said, hey, I want to go to your house to eat. I don't know who invited who. But Jesus and his followers, the twelve, ended up at Matthew's house to eat. Also we read, continuing in verse 10, that many other tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. Talking about Jesus and his followers. So, who do we invite to eat with us? Throughout this whole series, I've talked to you about the eight people that surround you, you know, your neighbors, your workmates, your schoolmates, your teammates, people like that. You remember this tool, this chart? Who remembers this chart? Yeah. Um, so this, this is the neighbor chart. And, 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 you know, the whole purpose of this was, you know, there's eight empty boxes there. And you, you need to write in your neighbors, the people that you work, you play, you, you um, live near. Like, you need to write their names. And first of all, you know, you need to think about them and pray for them. You know, begin with prayer. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week, I encouraged you guys to listen to them, the eight people. All right? Um, but more than likely, your neighbors around you or the people that you live, you work, you play with, 
we are going to come from different backgrounds, all right? Racially, spiritually, culturally, politically. And there, you know, they may be less or more athletic <laughs> than, than you are. And, and that list, you know, it goes on and on and on because people are different, am I right? People are different. But the big thing here is that all of us were sinners. All of us are sinners. Every single one of us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has been the only person in history who did not sin. Every single one of us, other than Jesus, we have sinned. So we're sinners, okay? Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all, say all, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The people you invite to eat with you are going to be sinners. Jesus calls us to eat with sinners. Going back to our text again in, in, verse, uh, in, in verse 10 in chapter 9, uh, the people that came to the dinner at Matthew's house with Jesus and his followers were other tax collectors and sinners. You know, in Jesus' day, tax collectors were co considered, really, as the scum of the earth. Okay? They sound like really filthy people, right? They are the scum of the earth. Um, you know, most Jewish people considered them traitors because they made money by overcharging their customers. They overcharged the people that came to get their taxes done. Tax collectors were seen, but they were rare, rarely spoken to. And certainly not someone that you would want to go to their house and share a meal with. They weren't those kind of people. Did you notice in the story today in the text that after saying yes to following Jesus, Jesus himself didn't give Matthew a hard time about what he did for a living. He didn't challenge him to start taking a course on how to be the best disciple. He, he even didn't challenge him to start studying the scriptures or learning how to pray. And Jesus didn't even ask him to join a class on, on just anything or how to follow me better. He didn't, he didn't say anything like that to Jesus or to Matthew. But what did happen? is that they simply went to Matthew's house for a meal. That's what happened. Something easy. And besides Matthew and the other tax collectors, the passage said sinners. Sinners came to eat. The term sinner in Jesus' day was a catch-all term for anybody who wasn't religious or who was involved in an illicit lifestyle similar to maybe even prostitution. The crowd that gathered at Matthew's house that particular day was a veritable who's who of the socially unacceptable. In fact, it was so unacceptable that the Pharisees tried to undermine Jesus by asking his disciples in verse 11, why does your teacher eat with these people? 
They had a problem with that. Jesus overheard the Pharisees. And I don't know how you pictured this, but I picture uh, Jesus lounging at the table because they really didn't have chairs back then. But lounging at Matthew's table, maybe holding a chicken leg, I don't know. And as he heard the Pharisees asking the disciples, man, I, I hear, I, I picture Jesus getting heated with this conversation that's going on maybe in earshot of him to the point where he drops his chicken leg and lets it fall down to the table. And he goes over and he addresses this situation. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees in verse 12, after they were asking this question, that it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the who? Sick. Everyone except Jesus Christ is sick. We are all sinners who are sick. And let me tell you, Jesus Christ is the doctor. Jesus is the doctor. Jesus really was the only righteous one. For in verse 13 of our passage, of our text, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Sinners. You know, this means those tax collectors. It means Jesus' own disciples, the other people that were there at Matthew's house that day. It's talking about the Pharisees even. And guess what? Sinners is talking about us, you and I. We are all sinners. That's who you need to invite to eat around the table with you. Second question that we get from our big idea and also our, our text today is how? How do we invite our neighbors? How does that work? I mean, all it takes is a simple ask. We learned earlier this morning that there are 21 regular times a week that we eat meals. Most people do that three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, however you were the last one, okay? But these times, they're already part of our day. Three times a day for most of us. They're already something that we do every single day. I mean, you got to eat. So why not invite someone to share a meal with you? You know, this reminds me of some excuses that people have on how or why they don't invite others to eat. Uh, some people say that they just don't have the time. Well, when you think about it, like I just said, you have to eat. Your family has to eat. This is something all of us do, like I said, at least three times a day. So you got the time to feed yourself. You got the time to make sure your family is fed. You know, another excuse people have is, I don't know what to say. And I've heard this one a lot. Especially when it comes to talking about Jesus. People don't know what to say. But as in Matthew's case, Jesus wanted to go hang out at his house over a meal. I think normal everyday conversation will naturally happen 
there at a, at, a, at a food table. I think normal, everyday conversation will happen there. You don't have to worry about what to say. It's just going to come naturally. Eating together provides a great opportunity to live out what we talked about last week. And again, what did we talk about last week with the letter L? Listening. Instead of worrying about what you'll say, think about what you'll learn through something like listening. You can start conversations, too, by just asking simple questions. And I know in the listening uh, sermon last week, you know, I talked about different questions that you can ask in different environments. Okay? But maybe some other basic questions that you ask just anybody is, hey, where did, where did you grow up? What do you do for a living? What do you like to do for fun? What kind of dreams do you have? Maybe personal dreams or dreams for your family. What kind of dreams do you have? And one other excuse that people have is, <laughs> this makes me laugh, I don't like people in my home. And maybe some of you are like that. I mean, it's cool. Everybody's their own person. But some people like, you know, I, I don't like people in my home. So if, if you're like that or you know people like that, you know, you can always go out to eat somewhere. You don't have to invite people to your actual house. You can also do what these people in the book bless. What, what these people, their, their names are Rudy and Amber. They're a couple, husband and wife. You can do what they did. They, they really didn't know any of their neighbors in their neighborhood. And they wanted to try to get to know them. So they had an idea. They decided to bring their grill from the back of the house to the front of the house. Set it up in their driveway. And they wanted to grill up some food and invite their neighbors over to eat. Isn't that a great idea? Just bringing a grill from the back to the front. Now, they weren't grilling up ribeyes or, or seafood or anything like that. It was probably like hot dogs or something. But, uh, but for the first few weeks, they only had one family to show up. But hey, that's a start. That's a start. But after a month of praying and continuing to get the word out, the whole neighborhood started eating every single Tuesday at Rudy and Amber's house. Isn't that awesome? How do you invite someone over to eat or out to eat? It's just a matter of asking. Or you can do the grilling in your driveway, in your front yard kind of thing. You can also use the meal calendar. Now, this meal calendar is found in, also in your bulletin this morning. <clears throat> Use this simple tool at the beginning of each week to pick maybe just one. Say one. Out of the 21 spots for, for the three meals that you have or usually have each day, um, I just challenge you to schedule one meet up with somebody. And like I said, now, this doesn't uh, have anything to do with Dick and Debbie when you see coffee. Um, I mean, you can ask them. But, uh, but anyway, um, but it could be a coffee meetup. It could be an ice cream meetup. 
It could be some kind of meetup. But breakfast, lunch, dinner, these are three meals that we have every single day. And you have 21 opportunities. And I'm challenging you to ask somebody to at least one. One meal or one meetup each week. Okay? So use this tool to help you. And today's Sunday. What a good time to, to get that tool out of your bulletin and, and schedule a, a meal or a meetup with somebody. And you can bless that person. <clears throat> now, like I said, this isn't adding one single minute to your day or to your schedule. It's just a way to challenge you to include something uh, someone in something that you are already doing. So, and lastly this morning, I want to ask the question, why? Why do we invite? Why do we invite our neighbors uh, over to eat? Here's why. Dining or sharing a meal with somebody, it could be life-changing. Life-changing. Matthew, from the Bible, from our text today, you know, I believe his life was changed. He walked away from his tax collector booth. He walked away from ripping people off. He went on to be a, a disciple, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was an eyewitness of Jesus' own ascension. Later, church fathers such as Irenaeus and Clement of Alexandria claimed that Matthew himself even preached the gospel, the good news of Christ, to, a, to the Jewish community in Judea. History also says that Matthew wrote the gospel, which bears his name, first book of the New Testament. Matthew wrote that. And history also tells us that Matthew died as a martyr because he wasn't afraid to invite people over for a meal. He wasn't afraid to share the good news about a guy he hung out with for three years. He loved Jesus. And he died because of his love for Jesus. I mean, from all this, we can see that Jesus' invitation and the meal afterwards changed his life. And you know, I often wonder what came to be with the other tax collectors and the sinners that were also there that day that Jesus and the 12 showed up for a meal. I wonder what happened to them. But I will say, I bet their lives changed too because of that. Y'all, uh, have you ever heard about online dating? <laughs> uh I will tell you that I'm a survivor of it. And Aaron is a survivor of it as well. So, uh, <laughs> true story. I'm about to tell y'all. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of horror stories about it too, but we, we did survive it. Um, but uh, Aaron and I met through online dating. So now you know a lot of you. Um, it was probably late August or early September in the year 2013, so 10 years ago. Um, and we started having conversations back and forth, and she'll be the first to tell you that my first words to her in through, a, like, a message setting was, hello, beautiful. 
So uh, that was that. And, uh, you know, it went on from there. Uh, but there was one day that we finally uh, decided to meet up face-to-face in person. It started with a meetup for coffee at Starbucks on Greenville Boulevard in Greenville. And after the Starbucks meetup, we actually had a meal. At, uh, well, we got Chick-fil-A to go. But that meal and that meetup would change our lives forever. Okay? From that meetup and that meal on September 23rd, 2013, we, we decided to continue on with our relationship. And like I said, it, here, here we are over 10 years later. We were husband and wife. And Monday before last, we celebrated uh, eight years of marriage back on September the 25th. So, my friends, I'm telling you that that meetup and that meal, it changed two people's lives in this room. So, meals change lives. Um, What would it look like? If you were to just set one meal out of the given 21 a week to bless people by simply eating with them, what would that look like? You know, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of crazy going on in this world today. But can you just picture for a moment a world where we are sitting together where we're, we are eating and we're talking and we're listening and we're connecting with each other. Can you imagine something like that? I believe that, you know, that's a picture that God, our Heavenly Father, that He wants to see. But I think we'll all be amazed by how you can impact the lives of people by just being around a table with them. Shoot, you know, uh, you're hopefully going to find yourself helping others eat their way into God's kingdom. Let me say that again. Hopefully, just by inviting someone over to eat around a table with you or meeting up for coffee with you, you are going to hopefully find that person or help that person eat their way into the kingdom of God just by sharing a meal with that person. Think about that. Meals can change lives. It can change lives. Uh, You know, a few years back, I had this one student in my youth ministry. She said something that during, during one of our youth services that stood out to me, and I still use her words to this day. And the words were that you, you know, you can point to yourself if you want to that you are the only Bible or Jesus that people will either read or see. You are. Every single one of us. <laughs> and, I mean, this girl was in high school, <laughs> and, uh, and, and she dropped that knowledge on me. I was like, wow. What if we thought about it in that way? You know, you go out to lunch today, or to a store, or something, you got people watching you. You may be the only Bible or Jesus that people read or see every day. Think about that. Um, 
Let me tell you about another meal that changed people's lives. Now, it was a meal that changed the lives of Jesus' followers, his disciples, and it's a meal that, that should still change our lives every time that we partake of it. It's a Lord's Supper. It's communion. We took this or participated in this just a little while ago this morning. This meal, the original meal, was held in the upper room and Jesus met with his disciples to celebrate the Passover and to partake in the Passover feast. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with the latter part of verse 23 through 26, that's what it says, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, the Bible says, uh, Paul says here, uh, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, that particular night, Jesus was preparing his followers for what was about to happen to him in just a few hours. He was trying to prepare them over that meal, over that feast, for what was about to happen to him personally. But for us, you know, it's life-changing too. Every, every single time that we partake, we should remember the awful things that happened to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, through his trials, through the beatings, through the people spitting on him, through the insults, through having that crown of thorns being smushed down on his head through the nails being driven through his wrists, through his hands, through his feet and through the cross itself you know Jesus went through all these things for us, for you and I he did all these things because he wanted to save us this meal that we took a part of today it should change our lives every time we partake of it. It should remind us of what Jesus did so that you and I can be saved. So my friends, to bless your neighbor, Jesus invites you to, to what? Eat. Let's pray. God, uh, I just thank you so much for, again, a reminder and a challenge, really, of something that we do every single day in order to survive, in, in, in order to grow and be nourished. God, I pray for myself. I pray for everyone here in the sound of my voice that we can invite someone to share a meal with whether it's today or, or sometime this week. And hopefully through that meal, hopefully their lives will start to change or, or change that very moment. I thank you, my God, for this, for this challenge, for this reminder. Let us work on that today and throughout this week that we can definitely bless people, those around us 
by just inviting them to a meal or a meetup for coffee or something. Thank you again. Thank you for everything that we've learned throughout this message. Thank you for the words that you have shared with me to share with these folks. And I pray this in your name. Amen. You know, Jesus invites us to eat with our neighbors, the eight people in our daily lives, the people that we live, that we work, and that we play with. You heard the who, the how, and the why this morning. So aren't you ready to change lives? Aren't you ready to win the loss and win people for Jesus over something that you do every single day? Something that you even don't have to add a minute to your day to do. Because it's something that we already got to do, and it's something you really got to do in order to grow and be nourished and all that kind of stuff. Many of us are going to lunch, you know, as soon as we're done here today. You know, what a good chance to start changing lives. Invite someone to lunch today. You know, we've been invited to eat with our neighbors, so let's do that. If you need to come forward this morning for prayer or to make a decision whether to follow Jesus for the very first time or rededicate yourself to Jesus, I invite you to come forward. I'm going to be down here uh, as we stand and uh, as we sing.